Hello, mighty warriors of God, and welcome to MI15. Today is Wednesday, March 16, 2022, and this is day 1460 of our journey together. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Jackie, and welcome, welcome, welcome to you. So let's go ahead and get started. Father, we glorify you and honor you above all others. Thank you so much, my Lord, for giving us your breath of life, for giving us your character and your personality, and help us, my Lord, to go forth and fulfill the purpose that you've given us for this day. I ask, my Lord, that you will comfort the brokenhearted, and heal the sick, and bless those who may be in financial need. I ask, my Lord, that you will speak today, that it be all about you and not about me. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's message is, when you take your hands off of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. <laughs> when we take our hands off the situation, then things change. We're going to be coming out of Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. Now, just let me give you a little backdrop here. Um, just before all of this that I'm about to share with you, uh, Naomi <clears throat> lost her husband. He died and her two sons. And she was left with two daughter-in-laws who loved her so much. And she loved them both. But she encouraged them to move on. She was very hurt and understandably so. She was very bitter, though. She said, call me Mara because I am bitter. And um, because she had she got there full to the, the town she was in and left empty. But she really wasn't empty. God blessed her with a daughter-in-law who loved her so much, and that was Ruth. And after Ruth said, I'm not going nowhere because because Naomi wanted her and, and Orpah to stay and, and in their own home, in their own city, and find new husbands. But Ruth said, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your God will be my God, and nothing but death. I'm just summing it up. I'm not saying exactly, but she said nothing but death will separate us. So this is where they are at this point. So Naomi says, okay, all right, come on. (laughs) All right, so now Ruth chapter two, starting in verse one, it says, now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing uh, from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. I just love that name. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And that was one of the policies uh, when the, of, of harvesting. When the harvesters, the people picking the wheat, uh, they were told to leave little bits of grain there on purpose uh, and Anybody else that may not have had any food could come and pick up those little strays that were left, that they left there for them. So she's that's why she's going to go pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. Mm. 
So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. That's what is called gleaning. Picking up whatever was left over. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to who other Bo than Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. Doesn't he sound like a great boss? Oh, my gosh. And just going up, talking to the people that work for him and, you know, may the Lord be with you. Oh, my gosh. Awesome. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? He noticed her right away. Mm -hmm. The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in her shelter. Now that's let you know God knows everything that's going on with us. You see how God showed it to them. They knew everything about her. <laughs> so, uh, verse 8. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in any other field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Oh my goodness. Boaz knew this was going to be his wife. <laughs> and it says, verse 10, At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant. You notice she was put at ease. We all have times where we may be a little nervous or we may be, you know, a little concerned, uh, right there on the edge of worrying, but not there. <laughs> and he put her at ease. Though I don't, Though I do not have the standing on one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. <laughs> Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. And, and the King James Version says, 
Give her handfuls on purpose. Leave extra on purpose. Don't just leave the part that falls off. Take out some stalks and leave them down there for her. <laughs> So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law all about, told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. That was no coincidence, I'm just saying. <laughs> the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and to the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers or a kinsman redeemer, which is someone who stands in the gap. Uh, to redeem us from whatever it is, you know, that we've gone through. Now, our number, our, our kinsman redeemer, our ultimate one is Jesus Christ, who stood in the gap for us. He took all the hit for us uh, and because of the sins that Adam and Eve committed, which brought sin upon the whole earth. And if it weren't for Jesus standing in the gap, being our kinsman redeemer, redeeming us, back to God. Oh, glory to God. We'd all be on our way to hell. But but because of what he did, we now can be saved. And it's our choice to accept him as our Savior and Lord and be with him for eternity. The opposite would be in hell for eternity. And verse 21, then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. Ooh, this is so powerful. So much here. So point number one, have you ever noticed how stubborn we can be when it comes to certain things in our lives? There are some things that we'll easily let go of in obedience to the Lord, but there are other things that we refuse to release to God. It's as if we're saying, no, God, I got this. <laughs> and you're not equipped to handle this one. This is what we're saying to God. I got this. You're not you're not going to equip to handle this, God. I got it. <laughs> and God, being the loving father that he is, will not um force us to do anything. Um as a matter of fact, not even when it comes to obeying him. He doesn't force us to do that. He wants us to truly obey him because we love him. But when we finally yield, and say, okay, Lord, I surrender all to you. And your actions say the same thing. Because, you know, we could say it with our lips, but still our actions are, you know, I'm taking care of this. <laughs> I got this. Oh, yeah. 
Now your peace and joy are, re are restored. When Naomi said, now here's what she said. She said, go ahead, my daughter. This was, you know, finally, uh, and even when uh, Ruth refused to stay behind, she was starting to yield then. Uh, and just because Naomi was like, okay, then come on. <laughs> and then this time, when Ruth said, I'm going to go glean in the field, Naomi said, go ahead, my daughter. She physically let go, by, uh, and by doing so, she let God do his thing, his plan. When, um, when do you need to take your hands off of it? Uh, this is why it's important for us to let it go, because once we do, God will take control. And he already has a plan. <laughs> you see, it was no coincidence that she was gleaning in this wealthy man's field who was a relative of Naomi's. And that meant also that he could marry Ruth. He was the next uh, relative in line that could marry Ruth, the way that things were done decently and in order. <clears throat> there was a little glitch that happened, and that's what happens in our lives. I encourage you to read on. It's only a few chapters. And uh, he ended up, it's four chapters. He ended up marrying Ruth, and they had a child. Uh, and, and Naomi was fully restored and back uh, having her joy. It was ju it's just a beautiful story, a beautiful Bible truth. So point number two, the first thing, when we take our hands off, we're giving God full authority over everything in our lives, even ourselves. Second, we're saying to God, I trust you and only you, and that he is first in our life, not all the other people whispering in our ear. Hey, dude, I wouldn't do it like that. If I was you, I'd, I, oh, I'd do this to them. I'd do that to them. Girl, you, need, you don't need to be listening to them. Don't take that. Shoot, you need to give them a piece of your mind. And once you do, you have nothing left. <laughs> so listen, we need to give it to God. Then third, when we take our hands off, we free ourselves from pain and bondage. See, that's a... That's a place of bondage where Satan is trying to keep us. And once we're there, we get stuck sometimes. And it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And then fourth, when we take our hands off, that's when we receive the favor of God. Yep, the favor of God. I'll never forget the very last straw before my husband fully came in <clears throat> to serving the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He was already saved for years, but he just didn't want to be in the church. And I don't know, he may have been hurt before in the church. I, You know what I mean? Many people have been hurt and have turned their, like, I don't want to go through that anymore. You know, and I get that, but that's in the physical. In the spiritual Rim, oh yeah, we need to be connected to the body of Christ. We need to be where we're being 
taught, when we're being uplifted and edified and encouraged, the more we stay away, the easier it is to fall into the world system and begin to follow that wide road that leads to hell. That narrow road is the one that leads to heaven. So I remember uh, the last leg of it because I was like, Lord, he needs to get his act together. I mean, he need talking about my husband. I mean, he really, Lord, I when is he going to come into the church? My thought was I wanted him with me sitting beside me in church and, you know, us doing things together for the Lord, ministering together and all those things. This was my desire. So I was trying to make it happen. <laughs> you know how we can be. So I'm like, I got this, God. And I would just say things to my husband like, you know, this is what the pastor preached. And and thinking that would lure him in or, um, hey, honey, um, you know, we're having something special today. Can you come? You're like, no, I'm not coming. No, you go ahead. You go. Me and the kids would go all the time. And this went on, y'all, <laughs> for about 30 something years. It was a long time. And I'll never forget. Here's what God told me when I said, Lord, get him straight. Everything else was fine. We had, you know, we had our normal ups and downs, you know, what you have in relationships. We've been married for a long time. It'll be 44 years for us uh, in June. And, uh, but we've been together for almost 50. We've been together since we were in the eighth grade. So we pretty much grown up together. And uh, I remember saying, Lord, get him straight. I'm just, you know, and the Lord showed me something that blew me away. He said, it's you. You're you're the one with the problem. I'm like, what? (laughs) He said, you're the one with the problem. And here's what it is. I'm like, now, you know, brace yourself. When you, you when God gets ready to show you, because you might be surprised when, when he shows you about yourself. And he showed me that, first of all, he says, you know, uh, do what I called you to do. Basically, take your hands off of this and uh, make sure that you don't have to come home and tell him everything that happened in church and treat him. Here was the here was the big one. Treat him like the man of God that you want him to be. Start treating him as though he is that already. So speaking those things that are not as though they are, but putting those things into action, start doing that and and treat him just as kindly as you do other people in the church. <laughs> you know, y'all, how we can treat other people nicer than our very own family members. You know, okay, I know, I'm just saying. So anyway, started doing that. And, oh, don't think I have to have the last word on everything because it is always a debate. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. And then just, you know, so finally I I did it. And and the Lord said, focus on what I've called you to do. You And then, and that's going to be the key. And I began to do that and focusing in on what God had me to do. What was my purpose? And I got involved in fulfilling my purpose, starting a business, doing all those things and serving people and doing and not talking about God anymore when I came home or not about God, but about what the what the pastor said. Because men, most men don't want to hear what another man said, pastor or not. <laughs> I didn't know that, but God told me. And and it, and my husband told me later in years that that is so true. He didn't want to hear what some other man said 
Uh, and, and once I start treating him like, you know, my king, my head of my household, uh, the Lord of my household, um, the priest, I will say, of my household, God is number one, and, and then my husband. And when I started doing that, oh my goodness, the favor of God, things started to change and in a good way. And finally, we are at that point, this has been several years now that we have been ministering together, talking about the word of God together, um, going to wherever we need to go to do the ministry work in our church, of course, but even outside of church. And I'm so grateful to God for showing me what to do. But it was up to me to take my hands off of it. And that's what God is saying. Now, if this, if this, if this is you, you know, hey, nobody can see you. Uh, hey, you know, surrender to God. Say, Lord, please help me with this. God loves you so much. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to receive his favor. But it's not until we take our hands off of it until we can receive it. <laughs> so take your hands off. God has great things for you. Now, if you don't know Jesus, that would be the first step. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it right there. And then you'll grow in Christ. You need to get in a Bible-believing church. Uh, you need to, you know, um, begin to grow and get off the milk, but learn, get you a good Bible that you understand and study it for yourself and begin to learn the great things about our Savior and Lord. Oh, glory to God. I love you all so, so much. May the Lord bless and protect you. May his face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious unto you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. And remember, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And please don't forget to check us out on our website, JackieBikesMinistries.org, J-A-C-K-I-E-B, like boy, U-Y-C-K-S, Ministries.org. Check out the messages and please share them with others. Also, please subscribe to our website by entering your first and last name and your email address. And don't forget to check us out on tzonekc.org to learn more about what we're doing in the community with our precious youth, teaching them workforce skills, life skills, and entrepreneurship development. Become a partner and help support this wonderful endeavor. All right, mighty warriors, go forth and make it an awesome day, fulfilling the purpose that God has given you. And I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.